This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. Today, I have Monica with me to share her story. Welcome, Monica. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's great. Yeah, thanks for being here. So um, why don't you just like walk me back to the beginning, sort of where did it all start for you in your drinking career? Oh, gosh. Well, my drinking career probably started in college, and uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> 1969, I started college. So I, I, you know, I did, I noticed that I think my, my journey was much the same as a lot of other people. I had never had anything to drink before college. Then I kind of, started drinking my freshman year and then I would like binge drink at parties and and then you know that was kind of it and then in my 20s kind of the same thing in my 30s I might start having a drink a little bit during the week maybe go out to dinner with people usually didn't drink at home um and I was single all these years I was single till I was 43 so then in my 40s after I got married we started having a drink every night and then we started having more drinks and then the continual large amounts of drinking on weekends and at social events and it's just been something for a while that i've been thinking i why am i doing this i need to not do this so um i actually heard about you and this naked mind through connect which is a weight watcher it's like weight watchers version of facebook Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I had said on that, that, you know, I think if I could stop drinking, I could lose weight. And somebody said, oh, you need to get to AA. And I said, AA just doesn't sound like something I want to do. And somebody else said, you should try this naked mind or hip sobriety. So that's how I stumbled on this naked mind and you. And that was probably like maybe mid-December. And so I decided, yeah, I'm going to do this 30-day experiment. And I actually started December 27th. Um, And I don't know why something just clicked, but just clicked. And it it hasn't been difficult. And I've been out with other people drinking. And, you know, drinking is a huge part of my social life. Oh, sorry, my dog. No, no problem. It's my dog. My husband is also a big drinker. He did the 30-day experiment, but had no really desire to quit. He thought he might want to moderate afterwards, and that's kind of what he's doing. I all along thought, you know, maybe I should just give this up. You know, I've been drinking for 48 years. That might be enough. (laughs) Um, So that, and I've had um, since December 26, seventh I've had two drinks once on Valentine's Day we went out for dinner and I decided very specifically I was going to have a martini um and I did not feel good I didn't sleep well that night I got acid reflux I kind of had a headache the next day um and then during the Oscars just this last Sunday we had some people over our usual drinking friends and um, I think, you know, I think I'm just going to have a drink. So I had one shot of vodka in a glass with ice. And it was like, 
didn't do a thing for me. I thought, why am I doing this? I'm just wasting calories. So I don't know. I think I might be done. Mm, I don't know. Awesome. Yeah, we'll see. see how it goes. See how it goes. Yeah. And I just finished reading um, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. Oh, yeah, that's a great book. Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. So, so you know, that's kind of where I am. That's awesome. So in your journey so far, you know, how have how has it been like when friends have, have, have they pressured you or what's been going on in that regard? No, you know, nobody has pressured me. Um, it is interesting though. Everybody's first reaction is, oh, why? Mm. You know, why, why aren't you drinking? And no, but nobody's been like freaked out about it. Um, so, and I've been out with my drinking friends. Um, you know, they've had drinks. No, nothing has been a wild carousing party. So maybe that will be different. You know, when that happens, my husband and I have a lake house and lake houses are like the perpetual vacation. Yeah. So you eat and drink vacation food and beverage. And so this summer, that could be difficult because there's lots of patterns there of, you know, get on the pontoon boat, have a cocktail. Um, so, so that's where I am. But no, nobody has bothered with me <laughs> about it. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. That's really good. And um, so you said you've been finding it pretty easy. Do you have any like, you know, big aha moments that have sort of happened? Yeah, the big aha moments is that it took my body a long time to um, be able to sleep well. Sleep mm -hmm. had really become a big problem for me. I either couldn't fall asleep, and I, th I think if I go back, those were probably nights when I didn't drink or didn't drink much, um, and I always woke up in the middle of the night if I had been drinking, and it took well over a month for those sleep patterns to get kind of normal now, where, um, first of all, I don't need to sleep as much, which is interesting. But I definitely sleep better. I fall asleep better. I sleep all night. Um, and I wake up with a lot more energy. Um, but the other and probably the biggest aha for me is that I just am emotionally so much more content. Mm. I've always had, I think probably from a little girl, I had depression. So I don't think that the alcohol created that. I think... I've, I've always had that disease, but the alcohol definitely made it worse. Mm -hmm. um, and I just am being really easy on myself. And it like, all of a sudden one day I'm like, wow, I just feel like content just sitting here reading a book. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. That's one of the things about alcohol that's so interesting is because your body tries to like normalize it and process it and make it yourself tolerant that it really you end up literally like existing and walking around with a layer of chemicals that make it hard to enjoy normal things you know yeah yeah yeah, truly. yeah. and you know that was part of what I liked about um reading Catherine Gray's book I mean yours obviously as well but just that all the stuff about the joy that comes yeah. back to your life has been really nice to connect with. 
Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, I, I find that to be just truer and truer, the further on you get, you know, it's just, you get more away from it than every time you go through your first experience with something, it's really like, okay, how's it going to be? There's a little bit, you know, like you're saying the lake house, how's it going to be? Or is it going to be at this like rager party or how's it going to be here? But then you get through those things. And then more and more, when you stop having those first, you just approach it like, oh, I know this is going to be great. And it isn't a question because you know, usually at least in my drinking days, it was like, all right, like I'm planning to have fun, you know, and sometimes I'd drink so much that I didn't know if I had fun or not because I just didn't remember it. So I said, must've been a good time. Don't even remember it. Right. So silly. Yeah. But then also I think that, you know, we get further and further away from it and I'm like, okay, I know that this is going to be fun. Like there's not anything that's going to prevent me from having fun because I'm not going to do or say something or regret it because I'm hungover or, you know, there's not like this question mark out there of like, okay, hopefully this goes all right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've woken my poor husband up in the middle of the night and said, did I do anything embarrassing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I feel so guilty. Be like, oh, just settle down. It'll be fine. Oh, I got to plug my computer in. I'm going to die here in a minute. And so your husband, you said he did the alcohol experiment and now he's like just taking taking it day at a time, seeing how it goes, drinking. Yeah, so he definitely is drinking a lot less than he was, but he doesn't have the desire to be alcohol free. And that's actually okay with me. I mean, I'm not fussing about, is that scotch in your glass? You know, it's like, and that was such a thing before it, we triggered each other. You know, right. Mike's line to me every night was, can I get you something? Which were the code words mm-hmm. for, can I pour you a drink? Right. Um, so if he, if I had decided I wasn't going to have a drink, but then he had one, then I'm like, oh, what the heck? Let's both have a drink. So right. we were kind of giving each other permission and now he's drinking and I'm not. And it's, it's not a big deal. That's really. I haven't, I haven't totally said to myself, "I'm not going to ever have a drink again." Right. I'm still still doing the. I, I've made my uh, non-negotiables. You know, I'm not going to drink when I'm upset. That's a for sure. I'm not going to drink to the point where I'm stumbling or slurring. Um, and you know, I I'm not going to drink if I don't really feel like drinking. You know, I'm not going to drink just because somebody else is drinking. So I love those. Those are so good. So powerful. Um, I think that's so important to create those, you know, because I, I definitely teach this and a lot of the people listening to the podcast may not have been through the alcohol experiment, but, and if you haven't, you should do it. It's alcoholexperiment.com. And it's like the, the one that we don't do live is just a free all the time. You can do it whatever date you want. It's, it's always free. The live one was fabulous you loved it yeah I it's did really cool love it. and i i'm doing the 100 day challenge and i i'm not as engaged i think because it's not live and there aren't comments coming in from other people and you know so still great but i liked the live a lot yeah yeah the live was really good it was really fun for me to do too it was really really eye opening so much learning yeah um, but in that, we teach this, this method of, you know, not necessarily saying I'm never going to ever have a drink again, right. because by the way, you're not going to know you're successful until you're not alive anymore. <laughs> so yeah. you're kind of setting up a goal for yourself that you'll never know that you hit. And it can really create havoc within the brain. It's like, okay, well, 
oh my gosh, then it makes it so much more important or powerful even. It's a forbidden fruit syndrome. We want what we can't have or what we're not allowing ourselves to have. And so um, we teach this thing of setting non-negotiables, which are like the things that you're saying, okay, these things, no matter what, are more important in my life than alcohol. These are the lines in the sand that I'm not going to cross. And if I cross them, I'm not going to beat myself up. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself in like an alcohol timeout. So if I did 30 days, I'm going to do 60 days. If I did 60 days, I'm going to do 90 or whatever the case is. Because then I know, you know, I'm not living to the standard I've set for myself. And your non-negotiables are like really your standards, you know. And I love those standards. Like you're not going to drink when you're upset. Because it's such an easy thing to do. And it's so... Uh dangerous from an addictive science behind it is crazy yeah Yeah, it's so easy to just I'm just thinking I just had something recently that was stressful I can't even remember what it was oh I'm actually I'm not going to talk about it publicly but and I thought I really would like to have a drink and no not the right time it's so So cool I didn't and nor you know normally I would have poured myself a vodka and sat down and wallowed in it. So. And the amazing thing is that when you don't have a drink, you can process the emotions in a way that actually moves you past them faster. Right. Because you're not, you know, I always like to use the example of like you're putting, when you're drinking, you're, you have this festering wound that needs like antibiotics or ointment. And instead of that, you're just putting a Band-Aid on it so you don't see it, but you're not actually giving it what it needs. And with right. emotions and especially difficult emotions, what they need is time and right. attention and presence and, Alcohol is like taking, you know, the presence away. So right, right. It's great. Yeah, very cool. So a few more questions. So what would you, um, you know, do you have any like tips or tricks for people? Any things you learned that you're like, oh yeah, this has really helped me. Or oops, um, sorry. Oh no worries. Um, tips or tricks? Gosh. I don't know. Well, at first, at first I had to find something that was like a mocktail. You know, I needed to drink something in a martini glass or drink something in a wine glass, or I tried seed lip, which is like a spirits, but it doesn't have alcohol in it. I wanted something like a martini, which is my drink of choice. Um, now that's, that's really not important to me. Um, so I, I did at the beginning need to find a replacement that left me not feeling deprived. Mm. Um, and that kind of worked for me. You know, I had a pretty drink and I put some olive juice and a couple olives in it and it felt like a martini. Um, now I, I don't do that anymore. Um, and, you know, other than that, it was just really, really just studying what you were talking about Um paying attention to the science. And I really liked your program so much because it's so kind Mm -hmm. and forgiving. And I feel not to trash AA, I've never done it. I know it works for a lot of people, but to me, it sounds punitive and it sounds, it's very easy for me to be hard on myself. And I don't need somebody else calling me an alcoholic. that just doesn't feel good to me. And so this way of thinking like, you're not predestined to be an alcoholic. Anybody who drinks enough will get addicted because it's an addictive substance. Just was an eye opener for me. And just by thinking that way, it just really made it easier 
to not drink it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I think there's, um, yeah, there's so much there with this idea of, you know, what we say about ourselves and are, is it really serving us? You know, there's certain instances where people, you know, do feel like they're being served by calling themselves an alcoholic because it keeps them on the straight and narrow. Right. But if, is it, is it serving you is the important question and like certainly doesn't serve me. Um, so I do not use it. And I, I also feel like it's not really, you know, true either from like a medical or scientific perspective it's not the term that's used you know i was talking to um a woman recently and she had an eating disorder and that's how she talked about it like oh i had an eating disorder and i was like okay you went through something you had it in the past it's not a definition of who you are you know right Um, i thought that was just like such a gentler way to talk about it um versus like i'm anorexic or i'm bulimic you know because those can be such like if you if you are something you always are that thing and that can right. be you know, you know hindering in a right. big way. I just also watched a documentary on Netflix. Have you watched Heal? I just heard of Heal yesterday. Um, I heard it's amazing. I just stumbled on it and it was wonderful. Um, so that in combination with this naked mind and then Weight Watchers really is all about mindfulness now too. So it just feels like all this stuff has been coming my way. That's about the way you think actually changes the biology of your body. And then it makes it easier to do the thing that you've been struggling to do. Um, So it's just kind of all, you know, this karma thing that's going on. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's just, it's nice that it's great when things all kind of triangulate in your life and you're like, yep, now I know where I'm supposed to be doing. Very cool. So let me ask you the question I always ask people at the end, but you know, if you had to go back and talk to Monica about um, what life is like now and, you know, with some of your new ahas and epiphanies and, you know, obviously understanding that you're not in this like for sure forever, but just really understanding that you're in this great, like I'm, I'm really excited about being mindful about it. What would you, what would you tell her? Uh, The biggest fear that I had is that life would not be fun and that I would not be able to enjoy time with my friends and social outings. Um, And that just isn't true. So that was really my biggest fear. And that's what I would say to myself is don't worry about that. That's like not a big deal at all. It'll, everything will be fine. You're a fun person. You're going to still be a fun person. Um, so yeah, it's, that would be the biggest piece of advice I'd give my former self is don't be worried about that. That's, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Monica. It's just awesome. such a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. I enjoyed hearing your story and I'm so glad that it all is going so well. It's just it inspiring. Is. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Have all right. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.